I'm Brian Myers. I'm Mike Ritalik. I'm Becky Haddad. And this is Owl Pellets, a podcast featuring tips for ag teachers. We are your agricultural education resource across the web, sharing research-based tips and tackling the tough questions facing agriculture teachers every day. Welcome back, Owl Pellets, for the final installment, I think. Maybe. Of how people learn. Unless we change our minds. Yeah. Unless we change our minds. That, that, there might that, be something else. I'll say it and we'll yeah. find something else we want to talk about that, on how people learn. That, that's assuming that we like really think this thing out and have a plan. Right. <laughs> or need more content. Or need more content. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone out there just went, please no. No more. <laughs> Make a stop. All right. We are talking today about learning across the lifespan. And when we think about this, I think there are a couple pieces that we want to chat about today. But starting off, I think we pack so much into pre-K and I'll say pre-K because we are down to 3K now. It's not just the K-12 system. Like we are all the way down to three-year-olds. And if you've met my three-year-old, you know, there are a lot of things he is not ready for. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Shaq, someday. Um, (laughs) But we pack so much in, like we quit learning after high school graduation, like this is our, this is our, this is our shot. If we don't get it in by the time they're 18, we have lost all opportunity. And I think our, even going back to our earliest memories says, Hey, wait a second. That's not true. Like we may not use, I think sometimes we do ourselves a disservice because we forget all the things that, that we learn without teachers. Mm -hmm. Sorry, everybody. Mm -hmm. But going back to our earliest memories, like we learned from those, we talked like with, with the balloon, I, I wouldn't have ever told you at two or three that helium is lighter than the air around it. I wouldn't have told you that I learned about density, but that's like, that's what happened. Like right. there was a phenomenon there, but I think one, we don't call that learning Two, We, we talk so much about learning from failure and learning from wrongness, but we forget all of the feedback that's happening around us. And we forget like a couple last summer, my daughter threw away an envelope that was sitting on the table. Like she was trying so hard to be helpful, but like she threw away an envelope that had money in it. Mm. Not a lot, not a lot, but mm-hmm. like, like this envelope left on the table and I need to throw it away. And she like, the garbage was already out. It was, mm-hmm. and I went, like went to get that out to pull money out of it. Where'd that envelope go? Like, why is there no money in this? <laughs> and she said, oh yeah, I threw that away. And I went, you need to check it before you throw it. Like, yeah. don't just throw the envelope away, check it. But if I wouldn't have ever, like, if we wouldn't have found it, if we wouldn't have said anything, she wouldn't have known that she shouldn't throw that away. So that I think recognizing one, that there are lots of ways that we learn, mm-hmm. but that that feedback doesn't always have to come from somebody like you touch a hot stove, it hurts. Like there's, there's sensory feedback all around us, but we sometimes forget that that feedback doesn't have to be verbal or written on a test and so i think first talking a little bit about when we think about everything we try to cram into pre-k through 12 education are we teaching developmentally appropriate materials in developmentally appropriate ways and i already know mike and brian have some thoughts on this (laughs) (laughs) well and you just made me think too How dare she make you think? (laughs) And it it hurts. It hurts really bad. Um, But 
do we lose sight of what the focus of education is? Certainly formal education, you know, we think about, okay, we got to learn all of this while we're in school because we're not going to learn it later. But is it really about the knowledge that we learn or is it really helping students to learn how to learn so that they can be their own advocates and continue to learn through uh, adulthood? Right. And I think another factor that certainly plays a role in that for us as ag teachers and educators in general is kind of remembering that you know, students, people continue to develop cognitively and they're at different stages of, of development all the way through. So it goes back to what Becky was saying, what's the expectations of this 3K and 4K and 5K and, and um, is it, and, and I think at times we continue to push down the curriculum thinking, oh, well, we can, we can put that content in 3K. We, we, they got to be reading and knowing their alphabet by the time they graduate, <laughs> right? And we have a big graduation uh, at, at 3K. And, and I, I'm scratching my head thinking from a developmentally standpoint, how many kids aren't ready for the type of stuff that we're asking them to do either 3K, 4K, or maybe even in middle school and high schools. And so, oh, and, and we know that students are on this spectrum of developmental stages. And so they give up, they mm -hmm. quit, they check out, they drop out of school. And it's not because they're not intelligent. It's not because they can't do the work and they're even motivated, but we're not meeting them with where, where they're at. And so there's this gap between our educational practices and our expectations at that age level and what they are cognitively able to do. And so there's the rub. I mean, we start asking, where are the girls? Where are the boys in our programs? And why aren't they engaged? And why aren't they going on to community college or four-year universities? Or why aren't they even interested in work? Well, they're already checked out and disconnected because we haven't set them up for success. Yeah. Well, I think this idea too kind of brings all the different topics we've talked to I've talked about this season here. Um, we we have this in our brain this disconnect between the formal education system and kind of this informal setting that yeah. happens. And you know we're going to talk about formal, which is be like schools, informal, which will be like just learning off thing there, but then non formal like extension. <laughs> There's all those programs out there, but how do we set people up? Because they're going to have to be motivated. They're going to make sure they're developmentally available to go and learn from YouTube, to go and learn from Coursera, the other kind of places that are out there that that really they're, we're, we're all part of the same business. And it, it shouldn't be an us versus them kind of thing. How do we get people to understand how they seek out the correct information to, to educate when they are ready, when they're motivated, when they have a problem to solve? Because we can't we can't do it all. What, no matter how long they stay in school or go to trade school or wherever else. And I think we have to, to, to encourage them to, to go and seek out much more self-directed learning that way. And with that, I think there's an integral piece of that. And how do we ensure that we do not crush curiosity? Mm -hmm. When we talk about the developmentally appropriate learning and development, like how, how soon are we telling students like, here's the right answer. Here's the thing you yeah. need to know. On to the next thing, on to the next thing, on to the next thing. When we like how little time they're spending outside like where are those things where they're just like where they're just checking out their world and figuring those things out but we we don't put the same value on that kind of learning and i think we lose a lot when we don't value just 
have students explore and let them be let them be curious and let them practice curiosity. I think that's one thing we're probably really good at. <laughs> yeah, is crushing curiosity. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Well, but, I laugh, but it's really sad. But yeah. no, you think about it. You you think about elementary students and how they're they're intrigued and they're asking questions and they're trying to experiment in, in life and, and trying to make sense of things. And then all of a sudden, middle school happens. <laughs> Mm, middle school ah. bless those middle school teachers oh. um, it, we cannot it say it enough it takes a special person <laughs> and i appreciate those that uh have have the ability to be middle school teachers but you know at some point we just we squeeze that curiosity out and and flip the script and and so thinking about that and thinking about how we can engage uh students and and um, develop and encourage that curiosity, I think is an important piece of that. And as we, well, I think along those lines has got me thinking that, you know, some of the people in my life that I know that are probably the most curious and seek out information when they have right now. And one of those being my dad, mm -hmm. my dad's a full-time <laughs> farmer, goes through there. He would say he was, did not succeed and did not like school at all, was not quote unquote mm -hmm. successful when here because he was not set up to the system to do that. But mm -hmm. Right now, he, he will say he doesn't seek out and read. He's reading all the time. Got magazines, <laughs> seeking stuff out, asking information, making phone calls to answer problems and questions. Yeah. Was not, but he is self-directed and with that curiosity to find things out. Mm -hmm. Other people that I know that were quote unquote successful in school are not as curious because they they learned how to play school. Mm -hmm. Right. And yeah. and to sit there and like you tell me what you you you, you tell me and I will regurgitate it back to you. And that's the thing to do. And they, there's no need for me to be curious because you're going to tell me everything I need to know to be successful, quote unquote successful right. to do that. I'm like, wow. Well, in, in whether it's probably high school, but certainly in higher ed and, and faculty, you know, why are we there? Mm -hmm. Because we learned how to play the game and we yeah. were successful in the system in which was built. And mm -hmm. it's not because we're more intelligent or than, than other people that have went out and been successful in other fields we've been able to play the game and be successful in the environment that we, mm -hmm. we, we were in. And there's others that haven't been able to kind of to manage that. And it's, it's not because they're failure or not successful. It's just because it, it's, it's a systematic thing. And that's with this, with this uh, particular report, one of the things that I got really excited about is um, the, the emphasis they put on this lifelong learning and being self-directed and really it is our responsibility to be more engaged and intentional about the, the lifelong learning. learning. We do. Yeah, we're going to learn wherever we go, things we watch, podcasts we listen to, that sort of thing, but seeking this out. And this got me thinking from our work that we all do with uh, in-service teachers through professional development. Are we intentional about giving our, our teachers the autonomy to be self-directed? Um, and I go back when I was teaching high school, I, I have to say, I showed up at a teacher's conference every summer. There, the teacher association put on PD, and I just, I just went to the next session. Yeah. Um, maybe I picked between two, you know, kind of deal. But I, this really got me going: is how can we help teachers be more intentional to still, yeah, still go to your ag teacher conference. I'm not saying that, but what podcasts are you going to listen to? What book are you going to read? What maybe I'm going to go work for a local hog producer for a month to see what the new system's going on. All of that is professional development and ways of, of broadening that, but taking more control over it rather than just getting a box checked off mm -hmm. um, to do that. And 
maybe it's, you know, what Coursera course you're going to take. That kind of stuff is, is just, just kind of be thinking through it, but also knowing that you can't do all the things at the same time. <laughs> it's going to, it's going to take a, take a marathon to get, to get there. There's some challenge there too, as far as what, what does our system value mm. in terms of professional development and self-directed learning? Because when we think about, especially the informal ways, when we talk about reading a book or watch it, like if I'm learning how to fix my welder and in my shop and I don't know how to do it, what am I going to do? I'm going to pull up a YouTube video and like, okay, what do I need? Like, yeah. what do I need to do? Am I learning? Absolutely. Am I doing something of value for my practice? Absolutely. But I'm not going to get a CEU certificate for that. Right. So I'm not going to get a certificate for the, the books I read over the course of a year, even if they are related to education. So how does, I think some of that is a, a question for pre-service educators for state staff. How do we, how do we show value for what, like, does it have to be a formal book study for me for to count? Yeah. Like, yeah. And then, and then if it was count me, just count me right. that I'm becoming a better, I'm improving my practice. But I was like, what you're saying with counting, I mean, most, I think most states are this way in Florida, it's that way you have to have so many hours of professional development to renew your teaching certificate, right. your teaching license. But you're right. If I go and watch a Coursera course or a bunch of YouTube videos on a certain practice, I'm not going to get a letter from UF that says you this many yeah. hours of, of PD. But I have to get those things done. Like, I, like yeah. by the system that I work in, I have to have those CEUs to renew my to renew my license. Maybe so what am I gonna put we're going to start it. This, this, <laughs> send an email to Florida, Iowa State, and Nebraska, and we're going to we're going to figure this out for you. We, we can print off a certificate. We can print right. it off. Yeah, you tell us how long it took to read that book. <laughs> I can make certificates. I'll tell it certified. Canva, man, we are. We have the tools at our disposal. We are set. Print on demand. <laughs> one of the. For those that are sitting at your desk, uh, taking notes, uh, I'm, I'm going to give you- I don't know where Mike gets this idea. <laughs> listening to this and taking notes. Number one, I'm surprised anyone's still listening. Yeah. And number two, that they would be sitting still doing it is yet again a fascinating concept. But, so, but continue. So, <laughs> so if you're not writing this down. Yep. So if you're not writing this down, you can always Google Malcolm Knowles, uh, Andragogy in practice. He has a great graphic that I always like to point um, students to, to and, and pre-service teachers or those that are doing professional development work. If we, we start transitioning from uh, pedagogy to andragogy, so from practices that really help and, and work in a formal, maybe middle school, uh, elementary level to adult practices that we would see practicing in, extension ed, um, probably even work in high school a little bit. <clears throat> Malcolm Knowles provides really six major points that I think are certainly helpful in that area. And it really reinforces what Brian was talking about uh, for his dad, what uh, was happening in extension or what was happening at our um, summer ag teacher conferences where we're getting professional development. So the first one's really uh, learners need to know the why in, in learners need to know the why, the what, and the how. And so if we can provide that context, and I think you'll see those, those kind of themes running throughout that. Second one is really the self-concept of the learner, the autonomy and the self-directedness that we were talking about really, uh, Malcolm talks a lot about as well. Um, prior experiences of the learner. One of the things we probably haven't unpacked a whole lot is connecting it to what people know and and um, and and creating that uh, 
as a resource, helping them as a, as a mental model of um, this new knowledge that they're growing and, and have to connect it to what they already know. Readiness to learn uh, life-related uh, developmental tasks. So they have to be ready and wanna know that um, and, and ready to ask those questions. The whole idea of orientation to learning as well is an important part. So problem-centered, uh, contextual learning, all things that we do really well. And then this uh, motivation to learn is really the sixth thing. So intrinsic value, uh, personal payoff, you know, they're doing it because there's a internal reason or a personal reason why they're doing this. So as we transition and think even about some of our high school students, they're going to be ready for some of these adult learning principles. And, and we really guide some of our work around that. But think about why students want to know that and, and incorporate that why piece and making sure it's connecting to their prior experiences and mm -hmm. I remember having conversations uh, with students or or connecting it to an SAE visit when you're when you uh, are, are having conversations in class I think are important elements and uh, pieces that uh, really help with that connection to learning mm -hmm. well I think that's to me the the challenge I, I throw down for for state leaders is just that understanding what you just talked about there with with energy knows work but then also the content you brought in how do we recognize teachers to play the game in the system when they when they've set up and designed things following the system that you've laid out mike to give them the credit mm -hmm. to do that and i think that is something all of us that are in some sort of state leadership could have a conversation about is how do we work with our state departments of ed or boards of ed or whatever they're called in our state that provide licensure and renewal to really reward and encourage teachers to be engaged in exactly what you're talking about, Mike, um, and, and get rewarded for that. I think that active engagement is, is so critical. And that's another part of this chapter and another part of this report, but not just the active engagement. I think one of the things that we also need to keep in mind is that transfer and that mm -hmm. it's not so often when we're checking the box, we're concerned about the content of that thing. Mm -hmm. And we forget about the other, and this is for our students in our classrooms, this is for our teachers and professional development. What are those things that we are taking out of this whole experience? So not just, mm -hmm. not just this content that I learned, what are we taking into the next experience? And how do we, it goes back to your idea about intentionality, Brian, when we say, what are, what are we moving into the next thing with? What am I drawing on and bringing attention to that, I think is really critical as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that, that makes me think about creating that need to know. Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes I know I, I talk a little bit about creating need to know, but sometimes it's just helping to students to unpack what they wanna know or um, helping them develop the need to know uh, certainly is an important piece of that. Well, I think it also goes back, we talked a lot about modeling and the importance of, of, of this I think it's it's good for ag teachers to share with their students how, what they do to stay current and what they that they don't mm -hmm. think they have all the answers because so often people look at ag teachers and they, and they know everything. How does how does she know all that? <laughs> well, it, but the AG, I think every ag teacher is going to admit that they don't know it all and they're always trying to find ways and that you know they're going to be continuing to read magazines that are happening and and staying current there and going to you know, the extension programs or whatever else they're doing to model to their student to say, just because you graduate high school doesn't mean you're going to know it all. Not have to keep learning. So I think it's good, good for them to be show how they are intentionally being uh, professionally developed along the way. And, and really, we, we use that word professional development is kind of our language, but it's just like 
how do I learn the things I need to know That's right. mm-hmm. to solve problems? How do I, again, the welder's broken or, you know, I had to replace a, a, a heating element in my dryer a couple months ago. So what did I do? I pulled up, pulled up YouTube, pulled up YouTube <laughs> to figure out how to get to the dang thing. And how do you take the panel off without, you know, losing my religion? Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I think we understand those are still valuable tools we have and how do we use those appropriately? I think is a good model that we can we can share with our with our students and veteran teachers can share with new teachers to say, you know what? Yes, I've been teaching for a long time, but I did not know what I know now when I first started 10 years ago or 20 years ago. It was I this is what I did to be intentional to grow that that level of knowledge. And it's okay that you don't know everything right now. Right. Yep. Think about watching my dad fix a bike. It's like, how did you learn how to do this? Mm-hmm. I just did it, (laughs) figured it out. And I think there, there is some comfort and some challenge in the idea that students can learn without us. Like, and at first you hear that and you go, Oh no. But I think there's also the other side of that, that students will learn in spite of us. (laughs) And there's Uh some comfort in like, they are, they are going to be like, it is a lifelong biological process. We are going to learn. And we're going to keep learning and keep growing. And so the challenge then is how do we make, how do we ensure that it is worth it for our students to learn with us? And I say with us, because we can't take ourselves out of this learning equation. We've talked again and again, as we've talked about how people learn that this isn't something that, that we stop doing as educators. We're not out of this process of like, here, I just, I give you the learning. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You take the learning from me. I give you the learning and we're done. Like, it's, it's something that we're constantly doing. And the more comfortable we can get with doing that with our students, I think the more we instill this idea that we're going to continue learning across the lifespan. And so with that, that's how people learn. Hey, <laughs> yeah. Thanks for hanging with us during this. This is kind of a new way of doing it. But I, I think this is a great report. There's a lot of application here. I've enjoyed the conversations. Hopefully the folks out there have as well and find ways to, to apply this. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Check out our website for more information on this topic and to learn more about our guests. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to stay connected. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you'll never miss an episode. For Mike and Becky, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellets saying thank you and we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets Tips for Ag Teachers.